The following sermon was recorded at Chiang Mai Christian Fellowship in Chiang Mai, Thailand. For more information, please view our website at www.ccfth.org. All right, this morning we are uh, wrapping up our, our look through the book of 1 John. So we're going to be in 1 John chapter 5, uh, the last three verses, 15, four verses, 15 through, no, I'm sorry, 18, chapter 5, 18 through 21. Uh, 1 John 5, 18 through 21. So let's read together as we look at this passage. We know that everyone who has been born of God does not keep on sinning, but he who was born of God protects him, and the evil one does not touch him. We know that we are from God, and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given understanding so that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true, in his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Um, A lot of what John says in these verses really wraps up and ties together themes that he has been dealing with through the whole whole, uh, letter of of 1 John. Um, And so we will unpack it a little bit. It it might seem kind of review. Uh, But uh, he's ending with this confident statement about things that we know with certainty, that we can just know these things are true. and these truths, or this knowledge, really forms the core of what we believe and hold to as Christians. It is our, we could call it, the, the core of our a biblical worldview. And a worldview is simply uh, our, our idea or our, our beliefs about who we are, uh, how we got here, uh, what's wrong with the world, and how we fix it. That's what a worldview is. I'm going to use that word a lot And it just really means a belief system that people hold to. And we have a biblical worldview based on uh, these these truths that John states here. So uh, talking about worldviews and what people believe, the belief systems that we hold on to and that really form and shape our life and what we think. Um, So so there is a biblical worldview, right? There is a, a set of beliefs that John's talking about here that we can know come from Scripture and that affirm what we would call biblical truth. Uh, interestingly, uh, I, I just saw last couple months back now, actually, a, a survey that came out in the U.S. Uh, where they surveyed pastors, pastors of different kinds of churches all over the United States. And in this survey, they discovered that only 37% of pastors have a biblical worldview. Can you believe that? Of church leaders, people who teach the Bible, people who lead supposedly Christian churches, only one-third of them had what could be identified as a clear biblical worldview. Two-thirds of them did not, right? Um, According to, uh, and again, biblical worldview in that case is is defined by the people doing the research, but I, I read through the research, I think they're pretty much right on. The things that a person should believe if they call themselves a Christian, Right? If they claim to follow the Bible. So if two-thirds of these pastors don't hold a biblical worldview, what do they believe? Well, the, the study didn't go into that too much, but um, 
But it raises some important questions. Uh, you know, you, you wonder, are these pastors even true Christians? They don't hold a biblical worldview. If they don't really hold to what the Bible teaches, are they really even Christians? And if they're not Christians, what are they teaching to people in their church? Are there people in their church really true followers of Christ? Um, uh, and are they possessing the eternal life that John talks about in his, in his, in his book? Uh, possibly, it's very possible that at least many of them, or some of them are not. Um, because in Christianity, what you believe really is everything. Right? We make a big deal about what we believe because it is the basis of our faith, these truths, these doctrines, these beliefs. Right? This is the basis of our, our very faith. Uh, how we answer those questions, who we are, how we got here, what's wrong with the world, and how we fix it. That, that, is, that is a sum of what, it, what we hold to and what we put our faith in that makes us Christians. So if those pastors aren't answering those questions from the teachings of Scripture, um, uh, it's very likely that they may not even be true, true Christians. Um, or else John is confused when he says in, in, in like 1 John 5, 1, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. Right, so John says very clearly that it's our belief in certain truths that give us salvation, um, that give us life in Christ, that gives us new birth in Him. Uh, so, so it's very likely these people are deceived. They think they're Christians. They think they're following the truth. But in reality, they've been deceived. They've been fooled. And they are, uh, they are not really holding to and, uh, uh, the truth about Christ. Now, that ought to be really unsettling for us, right? Um, because if two-thirds of pastors, people who have gone to Bible college and seminary, who have been trained, who actually stand up in front of people every Sunday and teach stuff, if two-thirds of them don't have a, a biblical worldview, but they think they do, uh, what does that say for us, right? What about us? Do we, do we really have um, a biblical worldview? And you want to know, did my pastor back to my home church, right, was he one of those? Which camp was he in, right? Who's been teaching me? And how do I know that I have the right worldview, that I have the right idea of truth? How do I know that what I believe is really true and that what I'm following is really true? And, and the scary thing in this is, of course, everybody believes that what they believe is true, right? And so nobody says, well, yeah, I know I believe what's wrong. <laughs> nobody says that, right? We all think we believe in the truth. So how do we know that we're really following the right truth, the, tr the, the real truth, the real thing, right? And, and we should all ask that question. We should all be examining carefully what we believe and, and testing it to see, is this really the truth, right? Of course, there are some people who actually say, well, it really doesn't matter because truth is kind of a, a, a wishy-washy, fuzzy thing, and as long as you're trying to find God, it doesn't really make any difference. But again, John would say that's not true. John says what you believe uh, matters uh, for a couple of important reasons, right? It, it does matter what we think and what we believe. Um, and in fact, John here in this passage actually gives us a way to put our worldview to the test, uh, to, to, to examine it and to see if, if it's actually a biblical worldview or not, right? So that's what we're going to try to do today. We're going to try to put our worldview to the test. And this is a scary thing because 
Uh, our worldview is something we hold on to that we don't actually really know a lot of what it is. It's just kind of there. It's just things that uh, that make up our thinking and our uh, uh, and who we are. And if somebody starts attacking those, our first instinct or nature is to get defensive, right? Well, you're judging me. You're attacking me, right? Well, I'm not going to judge you or attack you, right? Uh, so just take take some comfort in that. But but I think it's important for all of us to uh, put our worldview under the the lens of Scripture, and just to see is if it's really the worldview we think it is, right? Does it really line up with at least the Bible? Now, we might decide we want to reject the Bible. That's fine. But, but we don't want to pretend like we're following Scripture, pretend like we're Christians, when actually that's not the worldview we're holding on to. That's not the belief system we're actually putting our faith in. So let's do that. Let's see how we can uh, put our worldview to the test. Now, first we need to answer a couple of questions of why it does matter. Um, why it does matter what your, your belief system or worldview is. And the first reason it matters is that uh, it, it directly affects how you live, right? The way you live, the choices you make, the way you go about in the world is directly impacted by your worldview. And, you know, guys, I'm still getting crazy feedback up here. I don't know where Nolan is, but this is still just not working. Um, so, um, so, so the first thing was we need to uh, see that our worldview affects how we live, what we do. Um, and this is an example of this. Let me just look at some extreme worldviews and, and, and help you see how what people think just, just plays itself out in, in crazy behavior, right? So I don't know if you know this, but right now in the United States, in many places, schools there and school boards are having to make the decision if they should put litter boxes, like kitty litter boxes, in school bathrooms. Now, why is that? Is that because kids are bringing their cats to school? No. It is not for cats. It is for children. Right? And here's why. Because in the States right now, people can go to school and they can identify as, as an animal. They're called, there's a name for it. They're called fuzzies. Right? And they can go to school and they can tell their teacher, I identify as a dog. And they can bark in class, and they can act like a dog, and they can go in the bathroom and pee in a litter box, right? And schools are having to wrestle with, do we put litter boxes in schools because kids want to identify as, as a dog or a cat? Now, I see some of you shaking your head thinking, this is the dumbest thing ever. This is just crazy. What is the world going to, right? Well, it doesn't make sense if you don't share that worldview, Right? But if you share the worldview that, that's, that, that's beginning to take over in the West, this would make perfect sense. Right? Uh, because right now we're seeing this clash of worldviews. Uh, the old worldview that many of you were grown up with me uh, is, is the worldview we would call modernism. And modernism is a worldview that says reason and science provide accurate, objective, reliable foundation for knowledge. Right? It's a worldview that says we know what's right and wrong because there's, there's scientific proof and there's, there's logic. We can look at things logically. If it makes sense, it's true. Now, this is not a biblical worldview. Okay? That is actually not true. But it's a worldview that a lot of us were taught and believe. And we think, well, if it's logical, it makes sense, it must be true. There's good scientific evidence. It must be true. Uh, and and the, 
The outcome is that, that reason and scientific evidence will lead to universal truths, important word, universal truths, that are true in every culture and place. So, uh, right, so that's, that's, that's modernism, right? And that was the predominant view up until recently. And now uh, postmodernism is taking over. And if you don't know what postmodernism is, the short definition is simply that in postmodernism, reason and science are simply seen as myths created by man. Okay, so they see science as just a, a myth created by man. And this actually comes out of Marxism. Uh, Marx is, Mar- Karl Marx taught this. And so in, this, in postmodernism, there are, no, there are no universal truths. Right? It's all relative to culture and how people feel, what people want truth to be. So there's no such thing as universal truths, right? There's no universal human experience. There's no universal human rights which form the basis of laws and rules, right? So um, modernism would say, well, you know, there's, uh, we, it makes sense that you shouldn't kill people, right? That's just logical. If you kill everybody, we, we wipe off. We go extinct, right? So that kind of makes sense. But postmodernism says, postmodernism says, well, no, that's just making up rules. That's not universal. That might work for you in your culture, but some other culture, murder might be totally fine, right? Uh, so how, how do these things work out in, in, uh, in real life? Well, this is how it works out in real life, right? Um, who, answering the question, who are we? Uh, uh, Modernism says we can base who, what our, our, our gender is, our, our, who we are in categories of male and female. And that's based on science, like on stuff like X and Y chromosomes and biology and plumbing, right? There, there is such a thing as boys and there's such a thing as girls. And that's universal. So it's not cultural. Like a girl in one country is not a boy somewhere else. Like, like no, some of those X and right chromosomes, it's universal, right? But that's modernism. That's a worldview based on modernism. And uh, postmodernism rejects that. And uh, they would say that, uh, no, we are, not, we are not male and female. Those are culturally constructed ideas, right? We reject science, so we don't base it on science. And they would say that actually the problem when it comes to what the problem is in the world, they would say the problem is the label itself, Right? That's what's causing problems because we've labeled people as boys and girls, men and women. Right? So the solution is to get rid of those labels. Right? Um, because those are things that we just made up. They're man-made. They're cultural. They're relative. Right? And so the solution is that, uh, that we get rid of those labels. We throw off terms like boy and girl. And we choose to be whatever we want to be. Boy, girl, dog, cat, it, neither, both, everything, whatever. Right? It doesn't matter. Right? Um, and that's because there is no such thing as science. There is no such thing as logical, right? And so there can be no basis for universal rules or laws. So, yeah, you put litter boxes in school bathrooms because there can't be clear-cut rules, right? Now, like I said, both actually of those worldviews are flawed. Uh, they're both wrong, and they both lead to disastrous consequences if you stick to them because they leave God out of the equation, Right? And they see the problem as, uh, as other than it truly is, sin. Right? And you can look through uh, racial things right now, woke, uh, critical race theory, all of those things. And when you look at through them through those two worldviews, they make sense in that worldview, or they don't make sense. Uh, but they're all 
flawed because they fail to understand what the Bible teaches. They are not biblical worldviews. And they cannot be meshed or synced with the Bible, as we'll see in a minute. But my point in all that is not... <laughs> my point in all that is just to show that what you believe uh, lives itself out in how, in how you go about life. Right? And, and so what we believe matters a lot because it, it shapes who we are and how we live. Right? Uh, but there's even a more important reason why what we believe matters. And if you believe the Bible is true, it matters because it, it, our eternal future depends on it. Salvation, life with God or life apart from God for all eternity, depends on what you believe, on having the right worldview. The Bible re- re- proclaims repeatedly and clearly that there is only one true God, Right? So he says in verse 20, And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know Him who is true. And we are in Him who is true. In His Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. Right? So the Bible, uh, rightly understood, John says it straightforward here, says that no, there's only one way to God. There's only one true God. And he's the God who's revealed himself in Jesus and in Scripture. And not only that, but he says there is only one way to God. So Jesus proclaims right, quite boldly in John chapter 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one, no one comes to the Father except through me. Right? Through his death, through his resurrection, through what he did for us. Right? Um, there is no other path. Uh, and people talk about you know lots of religions and they're all they're all just different paths to the same God. The Bible would say no, that's not true. The Bible would say there's only one God. He is the true God. He's not just a God who knows the truth, but He is true. He is inherently in every way. He is the truth. And Jesus is His Son. He is the truth, the true and living God. And the only way to eternal life, the only way to have a relationship with God, is through Jesus. Through Jesus, one path. Now, of course, um, the world doesn't like this. It sounds very exclusive. And, and it, it can sound like we're saying, we're better than you. <laughs> like it's sad, you don't have the truth, and we do. But of course, that's not what the Bible's saying. It's just simply stating a fact that uh, all human beings deserve judgment. All human beings have fallen short of God's glory and are under sin. But, but God in His grace has provided one way to know Him. And that provision is in Jesus, His Son. Right? And so if you want to know God, if you want to have relationship with Him, you have to do it through the sacrifice of Jesus who has made the way. Right? It's not because we're better. We're just like everybody else. But we just know that this is the way God has provided. One way. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Um, all right, so, so uh, having the right worldview, a biblical worldview, is the only way to, to know with certainty that we have eternal life, right? to have this conviction that when we die, we will be in God's presence and we will not f- fall under judgment and condemnation. So what we believe is, is, is super important, right? Our worldview is extremely Im- Im- important. And, um, but, but here's the problem. Here's the problem. We are by nature pretty 
I guess you could use the word arrogant. I don't know a better word. Arrogant about our own worldview, right? We, 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 by human nature, we kind of are convinced that my way is right. right? Most of us don't go through life going, I'm pretty sure my way is wrong, right? Because if we believed that, we would, we would find a different way, <laughs> right? And, and sooner or later, we would find a way that we were convinced was right. We'd hold on to that. And then we would have that conviction, right? And certainly we as Christians... We do have that. We have this view that, well, the Bible's right. We, we know what's right. Um, but how do we know we know what's right, right? How do we put that to the test? And the, the problem is that we, we, I believe we do need to evaluate. We need to put our worldview under a microscope and evaluate it. But here's the problem. When we do that, we usually evaluate our worldview on the basis of our worldview, Right? So the person who believes in modernism, who believes that scientific reason and logic uh, is how you know truth, they will look at their worldview and they say, is my worldview scientific and logical? What is? It's true, right? We see they're judging it based on their own worldview, right? And likewise, people who are postmodern, they would evaluate their worldview on how culture around things explains things. What's popular? What do my friends think? And if I believe what my friends believe... Well, there you go. It's true, right? And so it's, it doesn't work to evaluate what we think based on what we think, right? There's no way to get to truth that way. So we need something outside. We need some other way to test our thinking. And so John here gives us, uh, I think, three tests we can put our belief system to, our worldview. Let me run these down kind of real quick. And, and, and I invite you to put your worldview to the test, Okay, to see if it's true, if it works, if, it, if, it's, if it's the truth. So here's the first test. The first test is what I would call the sin test. Okay, the sin test. That's a little odd. But let me explain, okay, the sin test. He says in verse 18, he says, we know, we know, okay, there's a certainty here. We know that everyone who has been born of God does not keep on sinning. Right, there's the test right there. Everyone who's been born of God, everyone who's truly experienced life-changing rebirth through Christ, does not keep on sinning. But he who was born of God, he's talking there about Jesus, so he's talking about all of us, everyone who was born of God, meaning spiritual rebirth. And then he says, but he, the one who was born of God, that is Jesus, who came and was born on earth, protects us, protects us. And the evil one does not touch him, right? Right? So he's talking here to people how we can know we have spiritual birth, regeneration through the work of Christ, how the work of Christ on the cross has truly been implied to our lives in a way that gives us new life, rebirth, being born again. And he says these people do not keep on sinning. Now, words are important. And, and notice what he does not say. He does not say here they never sin. Those who are born of God never sin. Right? John does not say that. In fact, he's made the point several times in this book that actually even Christians sin, uh, and, and that we all are in need of grace and forgiveness. So he says in John 1, 9, that famous verse, uh, if, we, if we have sinned, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins, right? Praise God that we live under the, the world of grace, where when we fall and sin, no matter how many times through our life, uh, there is always grace and forgiveness, right? But there's a difference between a person who, who falls into sin versus one who never stops sinning, right? 
And he's making that this distinction. So, so what's the difference between sinning versus like continually sinning? Well, I would explain it this way. Uh, falling continually versus falling sometimes, right? So take a baby, a little, little tiny toddler who's just learning to walk, right? And the first thing they do is they learn how to pull themselves up and kind of stand, very shaky, right, you know? And there's kind of two kinds of kids. There's those kids who hang on for dear life to anything solid because they know if they let go, they're going to fall. So they just stand there a lot. And you can see they want to they walk, they want to take steps. Maybe if an adult grabs their finger, they'll latch onto that finger and they'll try walking. But, of course, as soon as the adult, let, adult lets go, boom, they fall, right? So they hang onto that finger for dear life because they don't want to fall. Then there are those high-level high risk-taker kids who just blaze off. <laughs> They're not going to hold on to anything. They're going to learn how to walk. And they, you know, take three steps and boom. Take four steps and boom, they fall. It's just constantly falling, right? Then there comes that day when they actually take a step and there's like stability, right? Like they're a little wobbly, but they don't fall. And they take another step and they take another step. And just like that, it's like flipping a switch. All of a sudden, they're walking. Now, do they still fall? Well, sure they still fall. And uh, in fact, in the learning process, they still may fall a lot. Uh, But as they get older, they fall less and less, right? And then you turn to be 61 years old like me and you never fall, right? Just, just a couple of weeks ago, I tripped, boom, I tripped over my own feet, bam, down I went, I fell, right, right? Well, so does anybody say, well, Tim clearly can't walk because he fell, right? Well, no, right, but I, I, I walk. But yes, sometimes I still fall, right? Or even better, I could use the skiing illustration. I love to ski. I'm really quite good with skis. Um, does that mean I never fall when I ski? Well, no, I still fall. But one day... I had the really bad idea that I was going to learn how to snowboard, right? And so I put on a snowboard. Snowboard is just falling. I mean, this is all there is to it. Snowboard, anybody watch me, they would just say, well, Tim knows how to fall well on a snowboard because that's all I did all day long. And I thought, well, this is dumb. I'm never doing this again, right? It's just falling. Well, that's what John's talking about here. He says, if, if uh, yes, uh, Christians do still sin. We still fall sometimes. But is the general course of our life just falling? Or is it walking in obedience and truth and righteousness? Right? There's a difference. Right? Or is it just constantly falling, constantly struggling with sin, constantly being defeated? And John said already that um, uh, if we are in Christ, we, will, we should experience obedient, uh, a life of obedience, a life of victory over sin. Right? We should not be... Our life should not be characterized by constant, continually sinning, right? Um, if we're honest about our own life, uh, how would we characterize our life? One of mostly walking with falling sometimes or a life of just falling, right? And, and this is the test. And we have to be honest with ourselves, right? If I really put my life to the test, how would I answer that? Is it one of constant defeat or occasional falling? Uh, another uh, recent survey, I just saw this one uh, this last week, found that 80% of Christian men view porn regularly. This was also in the United States. 80% of Christian men, not just men in general, Christian men, men who claim to be born again, 80%, right? Regularly, not just they did it once or twice, but at least once a month regularly. Uh, a, a large number of these 
admitted that they were addicted. They had no power over this plague and this disease in their life. Now, if you, if, if, for those guys, right, they should be asking the question, am I saved, right? Am I really born again? Uh, I hope so. I hope they truly have a walk with Christ. Uh, and God is the judge, right? God is judge of, of his salvation. Um, they, they can be saved and be trapped, right? But one thing I know for certain, they do not have a biblical worldview, because John says, look, we know, we know that if you're born again, you do not continue in sin, right? They don't know that. They're not living in that worldview that says Christ has provided the power to break the bondage of sin, right? And, and your life should be radically different if you have come to Christ, if you have been born again. Um, and that, that conviction, that worldview should cause in us different kind of behavior, a different kind of life. Um, and, and again, it's not because we no longer sin because I can do this. I have power to overcome. That is not what he says, right? He says this. He says we have uh, power to overcome sin because God protects us. Because Jesus, who is his son, protects us. And the evil one cannot lay his hand on us, right? That's, that's the assurance, right? That we have a power not from within ourselves, but from Christ to give us victory over those struggles in our life. So I have to ask, what is your struggle? Right? Maybe it's not porn. Maybe it's bitterness, a bitter spirit, or pride, or, or anger, or jealousy, or gossip, or a critical spirit, or worry, or anxiety. Right? We, we all can put on a good show outwardly. Right? These pastors who claim to be Christians who don't have a biblical worldview, I'm sure they're very moral, good-looking people outwardly. Well, most of them, although now every day there's stories about them and they're actually not so moral lives. But we all know the inner struggles we have that nobody else knows about. The attitudes and feelings that are sinful and contrary to God's plan and will. Right? Um, Are you seeing victory over these things? And again, not that we never fall, but are we seeing progress? Are we seeing some measure of Christ's life overcoming those things and changing us into be a different kind of person? Right? Um, are we seeing the, the fruit of the Spirit in our life? Or is it just the fruit of the flesh? Over and over. Okay? That's the first test, the sin test. Uh, and, it, and it is a test of our worldview. Right? It is a measure of our worldview. Is it working? Is it truth? Right? Second, cult, second test is what I call the culture test. Culture test. Uh, verse 19 says this, We know that we are from God, and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. Okay, we know we are from God. We know we are in God's hands. We are, no, we are God's children. To be from God really is the idea of being his children. Right? We, we are saved. We have new birth in him. Uh, and, and as such, we are separate from the whole rest of the world. Again, you know, this sounds really pride and exclusive. Um, it's not because of anything we've done. Right? It's because God has transferred us from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his son. And it's a different kingdom. Right? It's not our kingdom. We didn't invent it. We didn't create it. God did. And we are now part of this very different kingdom. And it has a very diff- different characteristic in nature. But the world, 
is still in the clutches of the evil one. Still in the clutches and grip of Satan and his lies. Right? And the world is, is essentially the whole world system, its beliefs and its way of thinking. Right? Its understanding of who we are, what is wrong and how to fix it. All of it, John says, is under the control of Satan. So the reality is that every, every worldview that is not rooted in Scripture, every worldview that is not based fully in what the Bible teaches, John says is a satanic worldview. Okay, It's a satanic worldview. So modernism is ultimately satanic. So is postmodernism. Right? Now you would say, well, but does that mean they're totally false? There's a lot about actually both those views that are true. Right? Well, no, it doesn't mean that they are totally false. In fact, what it means is they are partly true. And every good lie is partly true. Right? That's what gives it power. Right? Uh, there's nobody that's building their, their worldview on Santa Claus. Right? Because there's nothing about Santa Claus that is really true. Sorry if you still believe in Santa Claus. But, you know. um, there's nothing about it that's true. Right? What gives, what gives worldviews power is that a lot of it is true, but it's twisted and distorted, and it's missing out some super key pieces. And the key piece is, is what's wrong with the world is not we're not logical enough or we're not smart enough or we're not culturally relevant enough. What's wrong with the world is sin. And uh, we have abandoned God and rejected him. That's what's wrong with the world, right? So all of these worlds are ultimate, worldviews are ultimately satanic. They're under the grip of Satan, and they are false, ultimately, even though they have truth in them, because they don't account for the truth of Scripture, what the Bible teaches. They're not rooted in the Bible and the person of Jesus Christ and what he has done. So here's the test. If I were to look honestly at my worldview, does it resound with and does it fit in the culture that's around me? Or is it radically different from my culture? Now, I don't mean radically different from somebody else's culture. So I could say, yeah, my worldview is quite different than, than a Buddhist worldview, a Thai worldview, right? That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying, how does it mesh with my own culture, the, the place that I am most comfortable, my own culture, right? Uh, is my worldview fit well and, and live pretty comfortably in that space? Like, like does it sit down on the on the sofa of that worldview and flip on the TV and feel like I'm right at home? Or am I just kind of an oddball in my culture, right? Am I counterculture? Does, does my culture and my world where I live look at me and say, well, you're weird, right? You're a nutcase. What's wrong with you, right? Well, that's how it should be. John says, right? Because we're of God and, and the world lies under the grip of Satan, right? So if we're, if we're super at home and comfortable with the worldview around us, that's a sign we don't have a biblical worldview. Because the biblical world is very counterculture. It is radically different. And, uh, you know, I wish I could interview some of these pastors in this survey. The 63% who do not have a biblical worldview. And I, I, would, I would guess that if you were to look and ask them probing questions about what they believe, what they believe would fit very well in the culture where they pastor. Right? In fact, that's probably what's happening is they're standing up on Sunday morning and they're telling people 
things that they already like, that they already believe. They are confirming their satanic worldview, not contradicting it. Why? Because if you contradict people, they leave. (laughs) They get ticked off. They write you nasty emails and they go away. Right? So who wants that? How do you build a church, a mega church, and have thousands of people come and build a cool fancy building if you're irritating people? Right? If you're counterculture, well, it's hard. Right? It's hard. So you tell the people what they like to hear. Right? No. Right? No. Right? No. Right? The culture test. What about you? Does your view of truth fit well in the world around you, or is it radically different? Radically different. And not just different because it's a different culture, but radically different because it's rooted in Scripture, and it is the Bible that is speaking against the lies of the world around you. Right? And remember, one worldview is from God, the biblical one. John says here that all other worldviews are in the grips of the evil one. They are born of Satan, who is the father of lies. Right? Um, and they don't mix. They, don't, they do not go well together. Right? They are radically different. Third test. Last one. Third test. Uh, what I call the revelation test. What I would call the revelation test. He says in verse 20, And we know, again there's that word know, right? These are beliefs. These are convictions. We know these things to be true. And it is the basis of our worldview, our belief system. We know that the Son of God is come and has given us understanding so that we may know Him who is true. And we are in Him who is true, in His Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. He says, he says this. He says, we know that the Son of God has come, Jesus, right? Uh, sent from God, came to the world, took on human flesh, was born, became one of us, retained fully His divine nature so that He was fully God, fully man, right? Gave His life on the cross to die for us. But it says that he came not only to die for us, but it says that Jesus came. We know that he came so that he could give us understanding. So that we could know him who is true. That we could know God, the true and living God. Right? Jesus came not only to save us, but he came to open our eyes and to show us what truth is and who truth is. He came to confront our, satan, our satanic, confused, uh, decept, deception, uh, What's the word? Lying worldview. There's the word. Uh, with the truth of God. Uh, a worldview that's rooted in, in who God is. The true God. And he did this by revealing us, by showing us who God is. Right? Luke 10.22 says this. Jesus says to, to, to people around him, he said, All things I have, have been handed over to me by my Father. And no one knows who the Son is except the Father. Or who the Father is except the Son. And... Everyone to whom the Son, Jesus, chooses to reveal Him. Jesus came to show us who God is through His life and through His death. John 1.18 No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side, that's Jesus. He has made Him known. So so, uh, one commentator puts it this way. He says, It remains true that Christianity is a religion based on revelation. Right? We believe what we believe because we believe it was revealed to us that God communicated and made known to us truth. We didn't discover it. 
right? Moses didn't discover it. Paul did not discover it. Uh, John did not discover it because he was out searching for it. Uh, nobody who wrote scripture was out sitting under a tree somewhere fasting and praying for days and days and days until they got enlightened. Okay, nowhere in the Bible does it say that. It says, no, they, it was revealed to them by the Spirit. Right? The truth they have, they have because they received it from God who revealed it to them. Right? We have a religion based on revelation, not discovery. It is this important element that is expressed here in John chapter 5. Of himself, man cannot find the way to God and eternal life. He needs a revelation from God himself. So God has sent his son, Jesus, to reveal the truth. And those who accept the revelation come to know the truth, the true God. Uh, from Howard Marshall is the, is the commentator. Right? It is through revelation is the only way that we can know God. And Jesus came to do just that, to reveal God to us. And not only that, but he says uh, we are in him. Right? We know that we are in him. We have this abiding relationship with God through Jesus. And to be in him, to abide in him, means we have a personal connection. We are in his grip, not Satan's. We have his heart and mind, God's heart and mind. We are in his purpose and plan. But most of all, it means we have fellowship with him. We can know God. We can be in his presence. We can have relationship with him. But the basis of that is what he has revealed to us about himself and his plan. Uh, He has revealed to us what's wrong with the world. And he has revealed to us the solution that he has provided in his son, Jesus Christ. Right? Uh, the son is God. He says, he says, uh, you know, he says here that it's this, this true God is, is Jesus. Right? Amazing declaration of the deity of Christ. Right? He says, so we may know him as true and we are in him as true. And, and that person is Jesus, his son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God. Jesus is the true God. Jesus is eternal life, right? Uh, So how does the revelation test work? Well, uh, do we really believe the Bible is true? One of the tests for those pastors who uh, did not hold a biblical worldview, one of the questions was, do you have a high view of Scripture that it's really the inspired Word of God in all of its parts, right? Not just some of it or the parts I like. I think that's usually what it means. Oh, the parts I like, yeah, that's inspired, the parts I like, well, they, you know, they were added in later, right? No, no, no. Do we believe that God is big enough to reveal himself and guarantee its re- proper recording and transmission to us so that what we have is actually God's word revealed to us? Right? If we don't hold a high view of Scripture as authoritative, as God's word, we do not have a biblical worldview, right? We have a worldly worldview. No matter how much we we may read the Bible and talk about it, if we don't regard it in every part and word as God's word and God's truth, it is not a biblical worldview. Right? Um, Secondly, do we really believe that what's revealed in this word, that Jesus is the Son of God, is the truth? Right? He He says, whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God God abides in him and he, and he in God. Right? Our confession is that Jesus is who he said he was. The Son of God, come to this earth. Right? Um, 
the next test is, is your belief system, is what you believe, have you, have you let Scripture shape and mold your worldview? The, the truth and reality is we are all born and live in a world where our worldview originally is not shaped by Scripture. It's shaped by the world, right? I, I do believe in modernism because my mind has been very influenced by modernism. If you're a lot younger, you hold to postmodernism. And, and it's just, it, I don't know how it gets there, but it just seeps in through our pores, through everything around us, right? And, and the only hope for us is to have our worldview radically rewritten by uh, immersing ourselves deeply in Scripture and letting it reshape our understanding of the world, ourselves, what the problem is and what the solution is, right? Uh, Paul says, uh, do not be conformed to this world, right? Don't be shaped by this world, but be transformed by what? By the renewing of your mind, right? By, by immersing our mind in Scripture and letting the Word of God rewrite the programming, right? Rewrite uh, how we see life in the world, right? Um, last word. Okay, those are the three tests, and I leave it to you to, um, to evaluate your own worldview against those three things, right? The first test is the test of, um, let me think here. Who knows? Somebody that wrote it down. First test, uh, the sin test. There we go, the sin test, right? Second test, Verse 19, um, culture test. There you go. See, somebody was listening. Culture test. Third test. Uh, this one. Right There it is. It's written. You guys are cheating. Uh, and I'm failing. I'm failing. I don't know my own test. The revelation test, right? John finishes with this word. Uh, he says in verse 21, his last words of the book. His last words of the book, this is what he says. Little children, he's appealing to people he loves dearly, right? He's not judging them. He's not condemning them. He's worried about them. He says, little children, keep yourselves from idols. Now, this really comes from way out of the blue. It's random, and it's so random that some commentators think it got added in later because it just doesn't seem to fit. Nowhere in the book has he mentioned the word idols or talked about idol worship. And, uh, and so people think, what is he talking about, right? But actually it makes perfect sense if we understand what he really means by idol. Here he doesn't mean idol as a, a, an image or a statue that people worship as God. What he really means here, an idol, is any substitute for the true God. Any false or counterfeit God. In other words, any worldview that's false, right? He says, don't, he says, keep yourself Protect yourself, guard yourself from these false ideas of God. These false gods who put themselves forward, right? Not as demons, not as Satan, but as truth. But they're not truth. They're, they're false. But these false worldviews, these false ideas. Um, and he says, guard yourself, right? Be careful. Put your worldview to the test. Examine it closely against Scripture and make sure that it is the truth because we know the one who revealed the truth to us. Right? We know. We can have confidence that the Word of God is true. Uh, he says earlier that the Holy Spirit Himself convinces us of its truthfulness. Right? And so we can know these things. 
Put your worldview to the test and ask yourself and be honest about which one it really is. And if it's, you know, if it's, it's too much over in the camp of the world, you need to choose today whom you will serve. Right? Choose whom you are going to follow. The worst thing in life that can happen is, is like these pastors that I fear took this survey, that they think they're Christians, they think they know God, they think they're going to heaven and have eternal life, but one day they're going to die and they're going to stand before God and they are going to be hugely surprised that they were following a lie the whole time and they don't really know God. And it may be too late, right? It may be too late, right? Now is the time to decide. Now is the time to choose. Now is the time to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, right? Now is the time to examine what you really believe and measure it against Scripture, right? Now, you may choose to reject Scripture and follow the world. You may like it better, right? That is your choice, right? But know what you are choosing, right? Know what you are choosing. Don't be deceived into thinking you've chosen. You've been listening to a sermon recorded at Chiang Mai Christian Fellowship in Chiang Mai, Thailand. For more information, please view our website at www.ccfth.org. Dot O-R-G.